Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Ben Robinson-Drawbridge. Coming up, the Fijian Drua win the minor premiership. Samoa's athletes grow at the Youth Olympics. And after 18 years, Rugby League's Emerging Nations World Championship is hailed as a success. But first, Tonga coach Christian Wolfe is predicting a cracking game of footy when the Matima'a take on Australia for the first time. The two rugby league teams meet on Saturday in Auckland, where the Kangaroos will try to avoid two losses in a row after being beaten by New Zealand the week before. Australia haven't lost to a Tier 2 nation like Tonga since 1978, a result thousands of die-hard Tongan fans will be hoping to see at a sold-out Mount Smart Stadium. Christian Wolfe spoke to Vinnie Wiley about what he learned from watching the Kangaroos lose to the Kiwis. Oh, look, I think uh, New Zealand was really good. and you know, They played a, um, a good brand of footy where they uh, you know, were very aggressive. Uh, they played with plenty of energy, but uh, also were quite smart, particularly around their kicking game. Uh, um, I think what it, what it sort of shows is the standard you need to play at if you are going to compete or if you are going to beat Australia. And it certainly gives us a little bit of an indication as to, uh, as I said, that standard that you need to be at. Did you learn anything from that match, or were there any surprises that, that, that change, or you'll take into your approach, or was it what, what you sort of already knew? Really what we, uh, what we knew anyway. You know, I think the, the real trick was the, the fact that the energy that New Zealand played with, but also the way they, uh, they, were, they were very smart and controlling with their kicking game. I think that was the two keys. And we obviously had an idea that there are things that you need to be really good at uh, before the game, but it just uh, hammered that home a little bit. It certainly showed that uh, if you're willing to do that, then you can't compete. You talk about energy, and we're looking at 25,000, 26,000 crowd for this match. Uh, Mate Ma'atonga are getting pretty used to sellout crowds these days, but, I mean, that's going to create a lot of energy for, for the Tongan team, no doubt. Yeah, it is, and, and obviously uh, it's not lost on our blokes the support that we do have, and it's something we really appreciate. Uh, it's going to provide us with plenty of energy and plenty of enthusiasm. At the same time, I know from uh, the World Cup semi-final, talking to the English boys after the game, they loved it and thrived on it as well. So it probably brings the best out of both teams, and I guess the positive there is that uh, it's going to be a, a cracker of a game of footy. What factor do you think the lack of preparation that Tonga's had in terms of match play? So you guys obviously haven't played since June. You didn't get the game against the Māori over the line. Uh, Australia had a shadow team play up in PNG and obviously they've just played the Kiwis. So how do you combat your lack of match play against Australia? It's probably not ideal. We, we certainly were. You know, it was very well known that we certainly wanted a, a goal game. We were a little bit disappointed that that couldn't happen. But at the end of the day, that's the cards we're dealt. And this is an opportunity that, that we've been looking for and wanting for a long time. So it's not going to be any reason for us not being at our best. That kind of thing is usually more mental than physical anyway. So... The, uh, the way we've combated that is that we've, uh, we've made sure that we've had some tough sessions and we'll continue to have some tough sessions. Uh, that's the whole reason why we've come to Hamilton early and made sure that we get a little bit more time to put into our preparation rather than just the two training sessions and a captain's run. And with a fan day on Wednesday, you had the welcome last week. Uh, obviously, the 
the build-up, the anticipation, the excitement's going to only ramp up ever further as we get closer to the match, especially in that Auckland uh, region. So how do you keep your team focused? Yeah, look, obviously that's that's part of the reason why we went to Hamilton first as well, just to get away from all that and, and be able to concentrate on ourselves a little bit more. And um, As we come into Auckland, you know, it's going to be a little bit more interest around the game and a little bit more interest around our team. And um, you know, That's all part of it as well. We, we obviously... Uh, it's great that we're able to come back to New Zealand and where the majority of our fan base is and you know, it's something we're really going to enjoy in the lead-up and that you know, certainly adds to the, the excitement around the game. In the past, you've had some uh, eager matchups uh, when you played the Kiwis, for example, with the likes of Jason Tamalolo, etc., coming up against their old team. Uh, in this instance, it'll be Andrew Fafita going up against the Kangaroos. And so, uh, what are you what are you anticipating there? Is there going to be some uh, some friendly fire between him and his old mates? Yeah, I'm not sure how the Aussies might approach it, but I know from Andrew's point of view, he's obviously going to want to uh, make sure that he has a, a really good game and play his role for the team and. Um, be at his best, which is a, a natural desire to do. So, um, yeah, if there is any of that, I'd, I'd say it'd come more from the other way. You guys have been wanting a match like this for a while, and, and you finally get it. So, you know, it's a it's a pretty good time to be alive in the world of rugby league, isn't it? It is, and the key is for us to make the most of our opportunity, as I said before. And uh, you know, it's certainly something we've been very vocal about wanting, and, and we we want these opportunities going forward as well. And I hope that the result on the weekend helps with the interest in international footy. And I think it does. And um, you know, we come out and we're really competitive as well. Well, hopefully that means uh, you know things like um, you know, Tonga versus New Zealand, not just next year but going beyond that as well, and keeping those sorts of big occasions and big opportunities um, is how we keep growing the game and, and particularly growing it internationally. Marty Ma Tonga coach Christian Wolf. The Fijian Drua have secured the Australian National Rugby Championship's minor premiership after a come-from-behind victory over the Western Force in Perth. Their six win in seven games this season gave the Indrua the Horan Little Shield for the first time in just their second year in the competition. Indrua coach Senarusi Suruvakula told Vinnie Wiley his team had to beat the former Super Rugby team to earn a home semi-final. Very proud of the boys that we really need a win and uh, to grant us a home semi-final and uh, they, they did that, they performed that. Yeah, and to do it away from home, to do it against the team closest to you on the standings, a very good Western Force team that, you know, not long ago, obviously they were playing super rugby and to, to come from behind as well. Certainly, certainly. We we need to understand that the they are local players and to be playing against super rugby teams and super rugby players, and that's a, that's a big, uh, massive uh, development from last year. It's not the first time your team this season have had to, you know, fight at the end to, to get the result. Uh, what, what do you put that down to, the belief of your players to, to go the 480? They have the, the, the confidence. That's uh, one of our strengths is uh, getting confidence every, every game, every week, and, uh, and, and they can play 80 minutes. And some of the games that we have to chase the, the game, and so that's huge for these local players. You were down two tries very early in the first 10 minutes. Um, what, what was the feeling then? The message was going inside uh, was to have possessions and cut down the errors out there in the field and uh, and understand the way the, the force are playing. And uh, they managed to turn that around and uh, do well in the second half. And, and obviously with that result, a lot of history is made. It's the first time that you've finished atop the standings. You get the minor premiership. It means you get the home semi-final for the first time. And, of course, you know if you do the job there the chance for a home final, I guess. Certainly, certainly, and, and not just that, and a uh, great achievement again in winning the 
Little and Horan uh, Sheila yesterday. We're bringing him uh, to Fiji and it's going to be here for one year. Last year you guys made the playoffs. That was a huge achievement. This year you've ratcheted it up a couple of notches even further. Uh, you know, at what point do you, do you acknowledge that, you know, you guys are clearly at this level and, and, and excelling at this level and, and what the team could be capable of? This is a massive achievement for Fiji rugby and, and uh, especially these local players performing in this level. So the, this is what we, the Fiji rugby union has to look at into the, our competition and make it stronger here in Fiji. And also these guys uh, for their pathway is uh, going up to the Flying Pigeon or securing a contract overseas. And, and Senator Rossi, you've played at a few home venues this season. Where's the semi-final going to be? The semi-final is going to be again in uh, Lotok in the western side. Does that add pressure to the team, or how do you think the players are going to handle it? What's going to be the message? Uh, the message is, is to take it as any, any game of the week. And for the fans, they will come in numbers, and uh, everyone in the country been uh, watching the game and supporting the, the, the team. So this is huge uh, for this week, but the, the players, we just need to come down to earth again and then prepare well for the week. Are you concerned that the travel to Perth and back could have an impact? It's a short turnaround, but it's a big learning for these local players. And uh, the confidence, uh, what we've shown uh, from Perth, and the momentum of our game will take us through towards the preparation this week uh, in the semi-final. Was that the hardest game of your season so far? That was the hardest game. That was the hardest game uh, playing against the Western Force. And um, obviously you've got the home playoff now. Um, you made the playoffs last season and, and were beaten. What did you learn from that experience? Last year was uh, not a good year for us when uh, we were going towards the semi-final and we and we lost some of our experienced players going to the flying region. But this year is, uh, it's different. They're all going to be here. So that's a big bonus for us going into the semi-final. And you'll be playing a Canberra team you played only a few weeks ago at home, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we're playing the Vikings in the semi-final. So I think it's a big boost for them also, uh, the way they play here in uh, in, uh, in two weeks' time. But we just need to prepare well and and, and focus to what we want to do on on Saturday. As a coach, uh, what do you want this team to still improve on? We just need to improve on our set pieces. Uh, that's the main uh, area we need to work on, on our line-outs and on our scrum. And, and discipline, and discipline when we have the ball. When we have the ball, our end we defend. And uh, that's still a learning from the start for us. And going into the playoffs, Senna Rossi, are you believing you can win this tournament now? Is that is that something you're telling to the players? Uh, is that the expectation? Yes, the the message is uh, for, for the even the individual players now they realize that we only lost one game and we've played all the all the the team in the NRC. So if we can uh, keep on doing what we're doing, and uh, I think uh, this will be a good year for the draw. Fiji and draw coach Senarusi Suruvakula. With the Youth Olympics drawing to a close, Samoa's chef de mission, Nanette Sass, says the tournament has helped to develop young athletes dreaming of competing in Tokyo in 2020. Samoa sent a 17-strong delegation to Buenos Aires for the tournament, and while none of them won a medal, Sass says they've grown as athletes and as people. She spoke to Vinnie Wiley about the role of the Youth Olympics in the development of Pacific athletes. Part of the Youth Olympics for us is... um athlete development and build it towards the Olympics. So this is one of the key pathways for them. Yeah, and I suppose, um, you know, as you say, 17 athletes, uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's, you know, not a huge delegation. Um, uh, but I suppose, you know, would would all of these athletes be expecting to be involved in the Games next year, Pacific Games in Apia, or? Yeah, that's correct. That's also the other pathway for them, is to help build the guys for next year. But ultimately for us, this is for the Olympics for Tokyo 2020. 
And um, you talk about the learning experience and the development for these athletes. Um, fr- from your observations and, and being with them, how, how, how do you think they've been finding this experience over at the Games? There's just so much happening here. It's, it's been brilliant here in Argentina. It's not just about sporting um, competition. It's about education. It is about um, culture, learning and exchanging of ideas and, um, you know, just in general, making new friendship. And for some of them, they're pretty shy. So we we try as, as management to encourage them to participate in a lot of the activities that the Argentinians have put up. And so they're finding it very exciting and they're learning a lot of new things. So we hope that they don't have stage frights the next time the big games come along. Because speaking to some of our athletes, they, they I think that's what happened. They were nervous. Um, all of a sudden, the, the focus and the, the, the light is shone on them. And they were pretty nervous. <laughs> so, again, another gap that we have to um, address as far as development is concerned of our young athletes. And you mentioned that this is ultimately building towards Tokyo 2020. I guess in, in some respects it seems a way away still, but I guess, you know, when you think about it, it's not really, is it? No, it's not. Well, that's the thing. I mean, with sporting activities, before you know it, it's there. And we need to have a, a good, solid ground um, or, or base to work off as far as developing our athletes. And the, the, the main main sports that we're involved with um, are weightlifting and boxing has made a comeback and rugby sevens. And we're also looking at wrestling. And we're hoping that in this time, we will be able to train up a lot more of our young athletes who've been at the sport for a while so that they're ready for the Olympics in Tokyo. Samoa's chef de mission, Nanette Sass. Rugby League's Emerging Nations World Championship has been hailed as a success after Malta reigned supreme at the end of a busy two-week tournament. The E Cavalieri defeated Nui 24-16 to win the cup. Poland beat Philippines in the trophy final, while Solomon Islands took out the bowl. It was the first time in 18 years the event was held, and tournament director Taz Batiri told Vinnie Wiley he expects it will now become a regular fixture. It got to the point where we needed something to happen uh, at this level, and now that we've completed these last fortnight, and it went very well from our perspective, I think it'll be a position in the calendar every four years, I think, after the World Cup. And I'd like to think also that perhaps the winner of the event could get access to a qualification position for World Cup 2025. I mean, this will come in a review that we'll do back to the RLIF. But that's what I, ho- I hope uh, can happen. I know a lot of the countries have an appetite for that as well. So as it stands, Malta obviously won the competition, but uh, just bragging rights and, and pride and, and whatnot at, at the moment. Yeah, yeah, correct. I think bragging rights, I mean, there's no provision in this cycle for anything to... A change with the qualification process for 2021 World Cup, but Malta certainly have bragging rights. Um, New A defeated them in the first round pool game, uh, and now they're one each in the, on the scoreboard. And I think Malta winning the cup demonstrated how how they managed to uh, learn from the first round loss to be able to get New A in the end. But New A put on a tremendous performance. Uh, they went down fighting, and it was a great spectacle and a great crowd to watch the game as well. I know a lot of the countries I've spoken to have talked about, as well as just game time and, and getting three or four matches, which is so rare, you know, the chance to boost their rankings as well was, um, you know, a huge uh, benefit of this tournament. Actually, all 11 countries that participated in the Emerging Nations competition all will accrue more points 
because they all would have played four games in those two weeks period. So they'll certainly climb the ladder and it'll be interesting to note where everybody sits uh, next month when the rankings table comes out. You know, you look through the countries, countries like Greece, Vanuatu, Nui, Philippines are among them. They've all been reasonably active, I think, in the last two, three, four years. Uh, you know, some countries are a bit more advanced in their programs than others, but, um, you know, is, is there a possibility, hopefully, that uh, some of the rivalries formed in this competition, you talk about Malta Nui and, and just the relationships formed between nations, that there might be some, some more international league at this level going forward? There will be, I'm sure. As I said, uh, we had um, just on about 500 participants, whether, whether you were a player or a staff member, administrator of the countries. And when I say about 500, I'm also including the, the confederation teams here because each of the confederation teams were a makeup of about six or seven individual countries to form that regional side. Uh, and when you look at it, there's another 20 countries in that um, group as well that when you add the 20 to the 11 that played, there's nearly 30 new countries that are playing the game at, at various levels. And the, the dynamic between the group was, you know, exchange uh, telephone numbers, exchange contact persons, and then try and get more games on in the future. And uh, thinking more about the Pacific nations, because that's usually our wheelhouse at uh, RZ Pacific. Um, I, I know Solomons and, and Vanuatu are a lot of, um, you know, players that are they're based on island that are actually being developed at home. Vanuatu, of course, you know, have a, a growing domestic competition. So uh, not just to have the national team competing, which, of course, is great in its own right, but, you know, the development of the game within those countries and and they'll be taking part in the nines at the Pacific Games next year as well. So uh, a bit of a platform in that region for those second-tier teams. I'm glad you, uh, Vinny, you mentioned the Pacific Games because I think another advantage for both Solomon Islands and Vanuatu was um, to, to prepare themselves for July next year where Apia will be hosting the Pacific Games in uh, Samoa. Uh, a lot of new players came on board, and actually it, they, both of those countries, or islands if you like, were fully represented by players from those countries or from those islands, which uh, not many other teams could boast about. So, you know, Vanuatu had about 20 players and the Solomon Islands the same for their full-match program, and they're all local local born and bred people, which is a, a massive advantage for their long-term uh, future of the game in both those countries. And, and you touched on it at the start. Obviously, the tournament's now over, uh, so there's a review, uh, and, and that goes to the RLIF, does it? What happens from there? Yeah, we'll have a, a bit of a, re a review of some of the things that we did well and some of the things that we did uh, not so well that we can improve on. Um, I think timing, we'll, we'll also interview some of the countries and the teams because it was a, a tough ask for them to be here for two weeks, play four games. And, you know, our, our game being the collision sport it is, is not like soccer or, or basketball or volleyball, where there's a, a fair amount of body contact and recovery is an important aspect of that. Player welfare was always a key element for us. And we had doctors and, and medical staff at the venues to monitor anybody with a serious injury. So... I think in the years to come, we, we probably need a little bit more funding so the competition can be a longer longer period, not two, two weeks. And also the sacrifices that the players made where they had to take two weeks off work, uh, fly to Australia, accommodate themselves in Australia, was a, a pretty tough ask. You know, everybody spent a lot of their own personal money to come to the event. And hopefully we, we could get a, a little bit more of a financial assistance from the International Federation to make it a little bit easier for everybody. Was there any assistance this time? 
Yeah, no, we've got a we've got a pretty good green to run the event, you know, and when you look at the live streaming figures, for example, and also the closing ceremony, 50% of the grant uh, went to that. Paying for those, and then we've got referees, we have doctors, we have scrapping, we have sports trainers, we have venue hire. So the, the grant that we got or received was chewed up pretty quickly. We managed to stick within budget. But then when you look at the peripheral areas of concern for the participants, you know, there's got to be another way that we can do the whole thing and not be such a burden on everybody. Taz Bartiri from Rugby League's Emerging Nations World Championship. That's the World in Sport for this week. You can hear this program again on our website, rnzi.com. Tofa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.